0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Best Year Ever Blueprint live experience. And if you are not familiar with the Best Year Ever Blueprint, that is one live event, the only live event that I have ever put on that I put on every year with my good friend John Berghoff. And it is happening this December 13th through 15th in San Diego, California. We do it every December, every year. Uh, This will be our sixth one, I believe. And it really is unlike any event you've ever been to. And go to the website and get details, watch videos. And grab your tickets. BestYearEverLive.com is the site. Again, BestYearEverLive, dot com is the website. And check it out. It really, unlike any other event, most events that I've been to, I listen to speakers and I take notes. And while there's value in that, I believe that the value ultimately is not in what you learn, but it's in what you live. And that's what we do differently at Best Year Ever Live is rather than you just learning a bunch of stuff that you could you know, find in a book or on the internet or on this podcast, right? It's about what you experience. It's helping you tap into your greatest strengths, your deepest inner wisdom, and then get really clear not only on what you want, but what's holding you back. And then real time while you're there, having a group of 400 plus like-minded members of our community that are being led through the same process that you're led through to facilitate Rapid growth and transformation so that when you leave the event, you literally are a different person. You are a better version of who you were when you arrived. So, most events you go, you get a bunch of information, and you leave kind of the same as you were when you arrived, but with a lot more information, like 10 pages of notes. Our event is very different. It's designed for you to experience that transformation and seeing what the better version, the best version of yourself looks like and experiencing that version of you while you're there so that when you leave, you don't just know what you need to do to create the best year of your life, but you literally have emerged. You've tapped into the best version of yourself that is capable of creating that life. So again, I think the words I just said, don't do it justice, but if you go to bestyoureverlive.com, there are still some tickets left and you're going to hear about the event between now and December. I mean, it is, you know, we just opened up ticket sales a few weeks ago and uh, I think we have 280 or 330. I actually don't know the number, but we've got quite a few hundred tickets already sold and there's still some left. So hopefully you can join me and John Berghoff and uh, our community in San Diego in December. All right. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. This is Hal. I'm with my friend, Court Davies. We're actually recording a video right now, which I don't normally do. Court, it's good to see you, brother. Great to see you, Hal. Awesome to be here. Yeah. And actually see you twice. So we've never met before, or we had never met before, except over the phone. And then now we've seen each other twice in a matter of what? It's been like three days or something since house. You invited me to your house. That was amazing. I know. That's pretty good, man. So everybody listening, let me tell you how Court and I met. It's the craziest, most serendipitous story So a friend of mine, Pat Dillon, actually a friend of Court's as well, a mutual friend, Pat introduced me to this guy named Julio over text uh, just because Julio had raised a bunch of money, like $80,000 on a GoFundMe for Court. So Pat connected Julio and I just... Julio was texting me a few resources. That's it. I was never supposed to have a relationship with Julio beyond him texting me a few resources. (laughs) One day, I butt-Facetimed, right? Meaning... I don't even know how Julio showed up. Somehow I look at my phone and there's a Hispanic gentleman and he goes, hello? I go, hello, (laughs) this is Hal. yeah. Who's this Julio? Why are you FaceTiming right now? He goes, you FaceTime me. And we end up talking for like 30 minutes and it turns out. Yeah. I mean all the things, man. And then he connected with court and court. uh, We'll talk about this later, but he's starting a nonprofit called conscious cancer. And I was in the process of starting a nonprofit called Support the Unsupported with regret because I realized I'm not ready mentally, emotionally, logistically to run a nonprofit, but I just want to support people. And it turns out Court was starting a nonprofit that was doing exactly what I wanted to do, helping cancer patients with knowledge they need to heal, with holistic resources, with money, so that they don't have the stress of having bills they can't afford to pay because they're out of work. And I go, Court, wait a minute. I'm not going to refile for my nonprofit. I'm just going to support yours. How does that sound? And um, one thing led to another. Court's creating a documentary. He was at my house the other day with three people. Another serendipitous moment. I'm looking for somebody to help me through the post-chemo transition to holistic. And I asked your buddy who he is. Why is he here? He goes, I help guide people from chemo to holistic. And I go, I've been praying for you. Like, Anyway, so Court. He showed I'm, up for you,
1: Hal. He showed up for you.
0: Man, he showed up for me and I, you showed up for me. And I, dude, I, I just, I'm looking at you right now and I feel such a sense of gratitude and also like woo-woo spiritual, you know, totally. serendipity, synchronicity in ways that I, I, think, I don't think we yet fully know what the connection that you and I have, uh, are creating and have created is Agreed. going to do for us and for the world. So Agreed. thanks for being on the Achieve Your Goals podcast,
1: brother. Dude, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, man. So, tell me um, briefly. I know we have a limited time here, but I want to know as much as I can here. What is your story? Tell us your story and, and how we arrived at this moment. Other than absolutely. what I just shared, obviously.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, 2014, I started coming down with uh, some side effects of I don't know what I don't know what it was. Maybe chronic stress, and I was dealing with pelvic pain, and I had chronically high blood pressure, and so I saw about 30 doctors. Wow. Over the course of three years. And no one knew what was wrong with me. And I started, I thought I was going crazy. I literally was to the point where I thought I was going crazy. And here's me. I was an entrepreneur. I was working with startup companies. I was consulting for mostly software companies to do marketing. And it got to the point where I couldn't work. And it took one, uh, emergency room doctor in a small town in Connecticut to tell me to do this. What's called a 24 hour urine test. Okay. And, uh, so I did the urine test as it turned out I had a hundred times the adrenaline in my body than normal humans do. Oh my gosh. The number was off the charts, like literally off the charts. And so, you know, he called me and he said, Listen, you have a neuroendocrine tumor. We don't know where it is, but you have one. And so, you know, obviously my world was just like boom, like, holy crap.
0: And then a tumor as in you have cancer, right? I mean, that's exactly. the,
1: the... Well, life. at that point, there is benign and malignant versions. Ah, uh-huh. okay. okay. So okay. we didn't know. So at that point, it's not cancer. At that point, it's you have a tumor. And so then we did um, the CT scans and the MRIs. And, and you know, this is, this is the medical world, Hal, and you and, I, you and I talk about somewhat of our frustrations. Yeah. And so the first CT came back and it's like, you have a two-centimeter two tumor in your bladder. And we're like, okay, that's manageable. It's small. And then they did the MRI and it turned into an eight centimeter tumor in my bladder. Wow. And so, you know, I guess the imaging didn't see it. Yeah. And so what they did is they diagnosed me with this thing called malignant paraganglioma. It is a one in two million cancer. It's super, super rare. And, uh, over the course of that time, I've gotten surgeries on my bladder. They took out a baseball sized tumor in my bladder, uh, I got uh, uh, a tumor taken off my spine, a two-inch screw put into my hip to get rid of another tumor, two more ablation therapies, and then I had a really serious surgery in January of this year where they had to take out my T6 uh, vertebrae. It was literally jelly. It was literally all tumor. Wow. And they had to replace it with a cage. It's called a corpectomy. And so... You know, the last two years have been experimental drugs, pain, isolation, high medical bills, insane amounts of surgery. And as you could imagine, um, it's been a crazy journey.
0: I'd like to say I can imagine because I've been through my own, but I exactly. haven't been through yours, right? I exactly. mean, I, I haven't had how many surgeries? Seven. I haven't had seven surgeries, man. So, um, yeah. Well, tell me, how has your experience with cancer reshaped your life, your mindset, the way you live, all of the things? What are the lessons that you've put into practice?
1: Absolutely. You know how I read your book years ago and it's crazy talking to you and it's crazy listening to you. And so I think you and I probably, you know, learned from the same great minds, you know, back sure. in the day. You know, the, the the you know the Tony Robbins of the world and the Brian Tracy of the world and the Jack Canfields of the world and you know, we really did a lot of mind preparation, right? And so, you know, you and I had this brief conversation the other day. I'm like, Hal, you know, how was your stress level during cancer? And you had said to me, well, I actually managed it pretty well. And I kind of felt the same way. Like I almost felt like the last 10, 15 years of my life were prepping me for this moment. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way, but... Sure, absolutely. And so I really realized, and I think a lot of people have a hard time with this, but I really realized that cancer was was the gift that I was waiting for. And it's so crazy to say that, but it was like, It was, I was so scared to make the necessary changes in my life until now I have this life threatening disease that basically says, you need to make these changes or you're going to die. Yep. And so death is a, is a funny thing because in the positive sense, when you, when you see death so closely, you go, well, what am I waiting for? What, what am I possibly scared of? Right? Because death can be any time. So all of a sudden it's like, what's this, you know, that I know I have a lot of gifts to share with this world. So what the heck am I waiting for? So cancer really kind of fast forwarded, you know, my desire to really help people on a global level to really, you know, be heart centered and to really, you know, kind of live with compassion and empathy and, and, and just kick major ass.
0: Well, and you recently did that. I know we didn't get to talk much about it, so I'd actually love for you to share a little yeah. bit about it. You just gave a TED talk in Houston, which is why you were in the area. You know, you came to Austin to visit me. Exactly. It might be up by the time this episode releases, but it should well, be okay. Tell me about, a little bit about the uh, TED talk.
1: Great. So it was called yeah. the uh, the missing link in evolving cancer care. Hmm. And so what I'm really interested in is how stress affects the body, okay. really when it comes to epigenetics in the human genome. And so, you know. I got to befriend this great uh, professor, this researcher at UCLA named Stephen Cole. And he's kind of the forefather of, of this thing called uh, sociogenomics. And what he does is he studies how chronic stress affects disease. And it's fascinating. Like So there was a, there's, some, there's some data that I'll take away from my, my TED talk, but um, they did these studies on mice where they injected tumor cells into them. And they isolated the mice, they left the mice alone, and what they found is that an isolated mouse gets really stressed, and so the cancer grew quicker. Hmm. And then they put the mouse with a lot of other mice in an area where it was too condensed, and it was under a lot of chronic stress again, and so the tumors grew quicker. But then when they petted the mouse, then then when they coddled the mouse, they gave the mouse a lot of love, they put the the mouse with its its parents, the tumors actually slowed down. And so, what's amazing is they've transitioned that into human testing. Uh, one one test that's the most interesting is out of uh, Mass General Hospital's Benson uh, uh, Henry uh, Mind Body Institute, where they took 20 people and they uh, 20 novices and they taught them uh, meditation. And over eight weeks, they measured their genetic uh, expression. And so eight weeks of meditation changed on average 1,500 genes in these people's bodies. Wow. Just eight weeks of meditation. Okay. 1,500 genes were changed. So 800 genes were turned on for health and 600 genes were turned off for stress. Wow. Incredible. Wow. And so I translated this into when you sit down with your doctor like I did, and I'm sure you did as well. My doctor said, hey, Court, you have three years to live and you absorb that information it would be amazing to have this care facilitator or someone where you go in the next room and you sit down and say hey you just got a bomb dropped on your lap yeah and here are all the tough questions that you know you should be asking and here are all the things that you can expect because that high level of chronic stress that we receive from getting a cancer diagnosis can literally kill us it can literally speed up the cancer yeah and so I believe that the medical world is missing this component. And it's this person that helps with, you know, mental and emotional stress. And again, you and I were maybe more prepared than most. Sure. But what I experienced in talking to hundreds of cancer patients was coping was harder than the actual disease.
0: Mm, Coping harder than the actual... Yeah,
1: and I told you that the other day,
0: that what I'm experiencing now the accumulative effects of the chemo in my brain, the mental and emotional challenges that I have now are infinitely, immeasurably more difficult than on desk doorway in a hospital bed weighing, you know, 127 pounds when I was one sick, right? Like that was a cakewalk compared yeah. to this. And again, it's the stress. It's the inter, it's the mental and emotional component. So how do you personally, and whether it's stress from your cancer diagnosis or just from everyday life, Court, how do you deal with stress? And how can that method that you use, how can your approach help anyone, not just cancer patients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you and I talk about Joe Dispenza a lot. So his meditations have changed my life. And again, I do probably two to three of those a day. And what he figured out is he used music, binaural beats, and essentially it, it puts you in a trance. It essentially changes the brainwaves. It changes your brainwaves composition. right? So we operate in beta brainwaves. And we want to get into alpha or theta to actually get into the operating system. Okay. So meditation is a great way to get into our operating system and to reframe what's going on, to calm us down. But there is something like super simple that has really changed my life. And that is changed my thinking from my head to my heart. And, you know, I think you and I, I mean, you're a very heart-centered person. And so there's this organization called the HeartMath Institute, and they yeah. teach this really, really cool thing called Freeze Frame. And it's amazing. It's so, so simple. And essentially what you do is when you feel, when you're feeling a high level of chronic stress, you know, you put your hands on your heart, you start breathing into your heart, you freeze the image of what you're stressed about in your mind, meaning stop the movie. You put your hands in your heart. You breathe into your heart, and then you think of something you're grateful for. And the, the amazing thing about the human body is we can bring up chemical emotions that we've experienced before. We can bring up the feelings of love, the feelings of joy, the feelings of gratitude. And so, from a perspective of yeah, this sounds easy. This sounds soft, but this Joe Dispenza actually did this with 120 people over and over again. And what he found was that. In the beginning, they measured cortisol levels and IgA, which is immunoglobulin A, which is the strongest uh, antibody in the entire human body. It's stronger than a flu shot. What he found is that doing this for just four days, 10 minutes a day, literally tripled the IgA level and lowered the um, cortisol levels by a standard deviation of three. So breathing into your heart and remembering things you're grateful for and joyful for literally can transform your life in a few minutes a day. I
0: love this and a couple things that are kind of wild at court and it just kicks into the synchronicity between us. Totally. One of my best friends, John Berghoff, who I interviewed earlier today, we had a conversation. It wasn't an interview, but a conversation. He's working with the HeartMath Institute and he's, wow. he's leading their global forum here in the next week or two. That's amazing. Yeah. So there's, i have to connect you guys. Um, of course. But, uh, but no, what you said, the beauty of what you said is you're talking to a soft audience, right? Meaning yes. you're talking to a bunch of, Practitioners of the savers silence, which is meditation or prayer, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing or journaling. So you just gave a practice that people can do in the morning. In fact, I'd love to actually take a minute for you to even give a a time frame. So even repeat what you said. So walk us through. You put your hand on your heart. How long do you do it?
1: What and you pick an image. Just tell us again. Absolutely. So it's called the freeze frame technique, and this is what you do. At any moment where you feel. Those chemical hormones and those those emotions of stress coming to you when you feel your heart racing when you feel sweat you know again Hal maybe it's you know it's different for all people but when you feel high levels of stress what you want to do is you want to focus on what you're stressed about but freeze it freeze it in your mind literally look at the at the picture what if it's uh you know say it's a, a mother and she's overwhelmed about all the screaming kids in her car she freezes the frame all the kids are frozen, everything's frozen in her, in her car, right? And then she puts her hands on her heart and she breathes into her heart for a minute or two minutes, just breathing into her heart, right? And it's literally breathing into here. And it's amazing when we focus on breathing into our heart. And It's, it's really in the middle of our, our sternum. Okay. Yeah? And as we're doing that, we bring up things that we're grateful for. We think about things that we're really happy, the, the birth of our children our wedding day, when we fell in love. And what we can do is we can actually reframe and rethink about what's actually going on. And then there's actually the last component, which I didn't actually bring up. Okay. And so as you have your hands on your heart, and as you're thinking about something grateful, ask yourself, ask your intuition, how can I handle this better in the future so that it causes less stress? Or how can I handle it better in the future so that I can feel these emotions instead of the emotions that I'm feeling. And your intuition actually is amazing. It, it actually speaks to you. It talks to you. And it says, for me, I know what it says to me every time. I, I have a sense of overwhelm. I get overwhelmed a lot. So when I do this exercise, my intuition says, slow down. Hmm. It just says, slow down. Slow everything down. Because we're moving so quickly. And we're moving so fast. So that's the freeze frame technique. It's it's awesome. And you only have to do it a few minutes a day. You can do it wherever you are. You can do it multiple times a day. There are so many incredible studies that show that people that do this over months, they get off their high blood pressure pills, they get off their cholesterol medicine, they get off their beta blockers, they get off their antidepressant medication just by doing this little exercise.
0: I wrote this down so that I can do... I've got the step-by-step... I can here. share it with you, man. You know, If you need to email it to you again, I, I got it. I got it. Email it to me. I think I got it, but I may not have I've been known to miss a word or two. Cord, that's fantastic, man. Thank you for that. Because that is something people can integrate into their Miracle Morning. And I will be integrating into my Miracle Morning. Right away. Yeah. Integration. I love that. Um, so uh, tell us about the, a little about the project and the foundation that you're working on and yes.
1: your goals with it. Absolutely. So we're shooting an eight-part documentary. It's called a Docu series. A lot of people don't know what a docu series is. I didn't know that, but sure. sure. So it's a, it's a series of documentaries, and essentially it's based on coping with stress. And so you met, you met my business partner, Jeff Williams, who is an absolute stress expert. So he has taken me through some modalities that I didn't even know existed. So basically what happened is I got into this. You know the meditation, the breathing, and then getting deeper and deeper and deeper and learning, and that's you know that's how we that's how we grow. I mean, Hal, you you, you're such a grower. You know, you're constantly learning. And so, what I learned was that you know coping and stress, we have the ability to literally change the genetic expression in cancer patients. We literally have the ability to slow down their cancer. And I'm going to teach them how to do this in this docu series. From this, we're creating the Cancer Consciousness Foundation, which we've asked you to be a part of. And so essentially what that's going to be is we're going to essentially help support the unsupported, Hal, just like you said. you know, We're going to help not only provide monetary needs for for basic necessities because cancer patients shouldn't be worrying about groceries and gas and mortgage and car payments, but we're also going to provide them with resources to help them coping with stress. And so we're creating a crowdfunding campaign right now. Actually, we're launching it as we speak. And you know, I'll I'll be I'll be giving it to you. Uh, uh, you know, the link and all that stuff. And so again, the crowdfunding campaign is to help us raise money to shoot this docu series. And a portion of that crowdfunding campaign is going to go directly to these patients. We're going to find nonprofits. We're going to find the cancer patients that are the most financially strapped, and we're going to buy them groceries. We're going to help them pay for their car. We're going to help them pay for their rent. We're going to help them with their basic living necessities because, Hal, as you know. When you have cancer, the worst thing that you can do is stress about these basic survival needs. Yeah. And so that's the basis of our project.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I, my wife and I, on multiple occasions throughout our cancer journey, I was very fortunate that my income came in when I wasn't working. It was book income, right? So the books yeah. were still selling. And I, I met so many people in the hospital. That's why I had the idea for Support the Unsupported. I would tell my wife, we would meet someone who, you know, the husband who was the sole provider or the wife was the sole provider. They've got cancer. They can't work. The family's burning through savings, no income, claiming bankruptcy, right? The number one cause of bankruptcy, I believe, is medical bills.
1: 100%. Um,
0: And I told my wife, I go, we would just hold each other and hug each other and, and thank God that we had our finances covered. And I'm paying that forward right now. I've been paying a friend of mine. She is fighting cancer as a single mom while she's fighting cancer, her ex-husband's trying to get full custody and take her kids away saying she's not fit. I mean, it's Uh, it's horrific. And they fired her from school. She was a teacher. And the parent said, your appearance is frightening our children. So anyway, not to go too deep. I I can't even believe that. So all of my money that used to go to charity every month out of my book sales just goes to pay her bill. She's my charity right now. And so I'm firsthand, not only have I experienced it, but I'm seeing it from someone who would benefit from the foundation that you're creating, the series you're creating. So uh, the link will be in the show notes. I'm guessing you don't have the link yet to give over the area. The link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Go to com forward slash podcast. And you can find the episode today with Court C-O-R-T, Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S. Well, brother, thank you for taking your tragedy and turning into a triumph for other people. I appreciate you, Cord. I'm so grateful that I butt-dialed our friend Julio <laughs> somehow. And now you were sitting on my couch three days ago. And uh, yeah, man. And I'm grateful to be a, a part of the docu-series. I'm grateful to be on the board for the charity, Cancer Consciousness. And um, I'll look forward to sharing your work with
1: more and more people, man. Al, thanks so much for your time, man. And, and we were definitely supposed to meet for a reason. Let's see where this relationship goes. It's going to be exciting. Absolutely, man. Goal achievement. Right, Thank you
0: for tuning in. And here's what I would I'd like to leave you with. From the spirit of today's conversation, court, me, essentially helping other people, helping those that are less fortunate than you, those that can help themselves. And when I say less fortunate, that might mean that they don't have the emotional resilience that you have. I'm not saying they have less money than you, but I would say for all of us, look at every human being on the planet as a part of our family. We're all part of the human race, the human family. It doesn't matter where we live, who our parents were, We are all one. We are all in this together and let's treat each other that way and let's dedicate at least a small part of our lives to supporting the unsupported, those that need our love and our support. I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next week.